Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the Dream Big, Bridging into Greatness podcast. I am Conrad Wilson, a podcast team member and ninth grader at Henry Wise High School. I am so excited to welcome back our listeners to our podcast. As a quick plug, we invite all of our listeners and supporters to connect with us further at our website, www.leaptocollegefoundation.org. That is spelled L-E-E-P for the, for the word leap. And various social media sites. For Instagram, Leap to College Foundation Inc. Um, for YouTube, L2C Dream Big. And in Facebook, Leap to College Foundation. The Dream Big podcast is hosted and produced by scholars in the Leap to College Foundation. This 501 organization rates and supports programs that directly achieve positive outcomes for underrepresented students by improving high school graduation rates and college acceptance through educational enrichment, activities, internships, mentoring, community engagement, leadership development, and and parental involvement. On this podcast, we discuss topics that focus on developing today's youth into right-now leaders. In this episode, we discuss various topics centered on environmental issues, such as the impacts of consumerism, fast fashion, and more. According to Investopedia, consumerism is the theory that when people buy goods or services in large amounts, people will be more happy and better off with these items. We are joined by our guest, Dr. Jamie Keaton-Jones, who is a professor in the Online Masters of Social Work program at Fordham University and West Virginia University. Her background is in mental health treatment, social work, and environmental justice, among others. She, has previ- she previously taught at Hood College in Frederick, Maryland within the Sociology and Social Work Department. While there, she taught the first course in environmental justice and social work. She also worked with a variety of mental health practices, including starting her own practice in Manhattan before moving to Washington, D.C. If you have any questions or are interested in sending us suggested podcast topics or being a potential guest, please email us at dreambig at leaptocollegefoundation.org. That's L-E-E-P to collegefoundation.org. Or DM us on Leap's Instagram page. Also, please leave us a review for us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you hear our podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome back to the Dream Big Podcast. My name is Alexis, and I'm a freshman at Holy Cross. I'm so excited to have our very special guest, Dr. Jones, joining us today. Before we get started, allow our team to introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Priya, and I go to CMIT South, and I'm a freshman. Hi, my name is Conrad, and I go to Wise High School, and I'm in the ninth grade. Hello, my name is Kaylin Wright. Um, I go to Northwestern High School, and I am in the 11th grade. Hi, everyone. My name is Jasmine Tucker. I go to Bowie High School, and I'm in the 10th grade. Hello, my name is Lisa. I am the executive director and founder of Leap to College Foundation. Hey, hi, everyone. My name is Elena. I am currently a student at Georgetown University, and um, I'm pursuing a master's in education transformation. And I'm excited to welcome our guest today, uh, Dr. Jamie, <clears throat> Dr. Jamie Keaton Jones. She is one of my actually former professors when I went to Hood College, and uh, she taught a course on environmental justice and how it relates to social work. And it's a really interesting course. And uh, currently, I believe she teaches at um, Fordham University, and also is it West Virginia University? Yes, that's right. Yeah. 
Yes, and um, her passion is really involved with mental health and also with um, psychology and also with a touch of environmental justice as well. So very excited to have her here with us today um, to have this you know, discussion. Thank you so much, Elena. I'm delighted to be here. And as I was saying before, I'm, I just, I feel so honored to um, be included in your podcast. I listened to a couple of your episodes before. Um, and so I feel like I know some of you already. <laughs> so I'm excited to um, see what our conversation is like today. Thank you again, Dr. Jones, for joining us today. And to kick things off, I was wondering how you got started and established in your field. Was this a childhood passion of yours or was it something else that influenced your decision? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think um, when I was a kid, I wanted to grow up and be a writer. That was my, my passion. I wanted to write the stories that I love to read. So when I went to college, I thought, even though it makes perfect sense to then go into literature and study English, if you want to be a writer, I thought, well, I want to learn about the human condition so I can write about that. So I, I then switched over more to a focus on psychology and, and social work. Um, I did not become a writer. And, and instead, I fell in love with um, this, this field of exploring um, the human condition and um, what's so neat about social work. And I, I'm like, I, I sell social work. Uh, I, I love this field. So if any of you are remotely interested, um, I, I hype it up a lot because I think it's one of the greatest fields out there. Um, but social work was not just about like an individual experience. It's also about like our experience as society. So we get to do like, we get to focus on all these different levels of, of experience. So um, yeah, so then I, yeah, I switched over to social work and that's what, that's what I have my doctorate in. And I really love it. How is, did your passion in environmental justice and environmental issues, how did that come about? Um, so I, I thought you guys might ask about that. <laughs> I was trying to think of where, I mean, these are really interesting questions, like thinking about one's past and how that impacts one's, one's current present. Um, I think there are a bunch of different things that happened, but one of them was um, as a, like after I got my, my master's in social work and my license and started practicing, um, you know, we're really into human rights in the field of social work. And that's really important. We're for the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and whatnot and for equality. And I realized one day I was walking around, I was like, well, I wonder, like, I actually started with chocolate. Um, I had a chocolate bar. And um, when you go to the grocery store now, there are a bunch of different chocolate bars you can choose from. Some are fair trade, some are not. It's like, what is this fair trade thing? And does it even matter? And kind of looking into the like what went into creating this chocolate bar? Like who, who made this? Who, who was paid for their labor to create this chocolate bar? And if I eat one versus the other, does it, like what, what does that mean? Um, and that kind of translated into fast fashion and clothing. And I realized I was walking around in clothing that didn't necessarily represent the values I held as a social worker um, in terms of how it was created. And um, in terms of fair wages, in terms of environmental impact and all of that. So for me, it was like this moment where it's like, well, the things I'm deciding to do and my career are at odds with each other. And I wanted to kind of 
figure that out, explore that, understand that a little bit more. So that's where I kind of started to take more of that dive into environmental justice and thinking about the impact of our choices on, on the larger society. So it all started with just your curiosity? Um, yeah, I would say definitely a big part of that. A big part of it was my, my curiosity. When you're, when you, uh, and I know that I, I didn't want to interrupt anything, but I just wanted to ask this pressing question. You mentioned about fashion um, mm -hmm. and, and how that uh, making some choices or the choices that we make can have an impact on our environment. Um, so what would you say to um, a young person who's really concerned about how they dress and you know do do I have to walk around with a with a brown bag that says recycled on it or I mean what 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 would you say to someone that's young and I really care about you know how I dress you know who I'm supporting I see celebrities I want to try to dress like a celebrity so how can I uh you know as a young person if I were younger uh, be able to be more conscious of that and the decisions on on the clothes that I buy? So that's a great question. Um, so with, um, yeah, with fashion, I think fashion is a, a form of art. I often think of it's how we describe ourselves and show our identity and um, communicate so much. Um, so I'm not saying that we should, yeah, I'll go around in a paper bag. I think that would have certain mental health impacts and, and whatnot. I think with, with fashion too, I think there are a bunch of different things we have to consider. Um, availability, accessibility, affordability, what our needs are, what our wants are, and teasing out like, what does this really mean? Because I could say, oh, you should only buy sustainable clothing. And um, sustainable clothing in a lot of places comes with a price tag that is not really accessible. And then if I do that, then I'm also shaming people who cannot afford to buy the the expensive, I don't know, um, I'm not going to say brand names on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I can or not, but um, there are some high-end brands that sell clothes that are made with a very low carbon footprint and without a high human cost. Um, but I know in, on my salary, I can't afford them. So I can't imagine a high schooler um, um, kind of being faced with that dilemma of like, well, do I buy something that contributes to fast fashion or do I go without and how do I express myself? I think it's a lot of stuff to navigate a bunch of questions to, to think about. Um, and I don't know if we have a best case scenario because um, I could talk about thrift shops and um, buying secondhand as a potential solution, but I don't know um, how many thrift shops there are, how easy it is to get to the thrift shops or whatnot. So I think um, in short, to try to kind of summarize an answer to that question, I think um, is to, um, and I think you guys might have these questions later on, is that distinguishing the want from the need and trying to come up with a compromise for what makes sense for you and aligns with your values. Um, Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I could talk about this. I'm so excited that you're here and what you're saying, especially what you brought up about the thrift store and even our contributions, because we have a lot of clothes, right? And mm -hmm. even our contributions, if we look around in our households and um, everything from appliances to um, clothing, jewelry, things that we don't even use anymore, 
in a form, it can be recycled because it's a way of helping someone else of, you know, um, and, and giving back and, and taking or, or taking inventory, going to the thrift store with the things that we have to, to help others. Or even we go to the thrift store and find, because there are some treasures um, in, in thrift stores. So I'm glad that you, you brought that up, Dr. Jones. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. Uh, okay. Oh yes, Kaylin. Okay, so, right. My thing is, so yeah, I'm a I'm a high school student, and like a lot of my clothes, like I'm broke. Okay, like I'm broke. I can't afford, like you know, regular. I got to go like H and M and all that, and you get good stuff off a of Shein. It's like, and like I can't afford like, I I I can't afford other clothes than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think it's like, it's like that kind of market or like things like cheap labor is like, isn't that kind of like needed in some sort of way? Because not everyone can afford like, I guess, I don't, I don't even know what the other clothes be called, but not everyone can afford that. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? No, absolutely. And I think that's a really important point that I think sometimes gets missed in the dialogues about fast fashion is um, what and what you're kind of alluding to and let me know if I'm off is that it's putting the responsibility on you the consumer to manage this as opposed to addressing maybe these larger systemic issues that are at play that may make it difficult to afford um you know clothes that doesn't that don't come at a substantial human cost that it shouldn't just be on you the person going out to buy clothes to make changes that there should be I mean should I, Hopefully, we're going in a direction where we have more policies that you know protect those who are in the environment um, that are going into the creation of these these items. So, um, and that's where I feel like we kind of have that dilemma of like, well, I want to make this decision that I'm being told is the more environmentally sound choice, but at the same time, I only have so much in my budget, and I have to wear clothes. Um, so I, I think that's also, yeah, kind of bringing it back to um, the other systems that are in play that create these situations that we would even be in this dilemma in the first place. Yes. Usually clothes yeah, uh, like cost more. Like they cost more because they're like recyclable. But like a lot of times, like I said, you go to H&M, they were like 40% like recycled material. And like they talking about some like a little part of the clothes that's like made of like paper or something mm -hmm. and it costs more because of that so like i, I so like i don't want to pay that just this, this, just for a little piece of carpet on my on my, my shirt no i i hear you uh h&m actually comes up in um i'm going to recommend this documentary if you're interested um in learning about this further because i think they do an excellent job kind of breaking this down and elena you watched it in in class it's called the true cost i think it was filmed back in 2015 but um they talk a lot about yeah green brands green washing what does that mean what um yeah and the whole like uh one week fashion cycle that we have with clothing and the idea that we need to stay up and constantly buy more clothing to um, uh, to kind of be stay relevant, so to speak. Um, but yeah, that I think that I highly recommend. Do you guys have? Um, I'm not as familiar with Spotify, but I know in some podcasts they have like landing pages where I could send you a link in case 
you're okay, Alexis. I see you nodding. Okay, great. So I will be sending you some links um, at the end. Um, there are also a bunch of really interesting online um, carbon footprint calculators uh, that you can go through and kind of input kind of your data based on your zip code and and your habits and get an idea of what your carbon footprint is. And um, one site, and I, I kind of hesitate to recommend this one because it's attached to a company that's been, that tries to sell uh, products. It's, um, but I do think it's like a very easy to use one, um, ThreadUp, which is an online kind of uh, consignment thrift store. They have a really neat um, uh, calculator for, uh, yeah, uh, Lisa, you have it, yeah, in the, the chat um that you can do go through and it, it asks you a bunch of questions and then it also provides some like suggestions too that can be helpful so i'll send you that link as well so what about the rest of you what what are your thoughts what are you hearing about fast fashion i'm really curious so another thing that i wanted to add was that i think another reason why like prices are just like increasing in general it's just like that like niche of like trying to put in like plus size fashion or just like accessible fashion for people who are um of like bigger bodies because you know not everybody is skinny so and people are and by people i mean corporations they're trying to like contribute to that trying to help but i feel like it isn't really um like being tackled the way that it should be tackled like there's only small sections for plus size individuals or even if there's any plus size um sections at all because sometimes there isn't any and then it becomes harder and harder for people who are plus size to find clothes that actually fit them right and then it's just this whole cycle that doesn't really mm. need to happen because people end up having to pay like really like expensive because not everybody has like that money again so I think that's also another issue that I found. No, thank you, Jasmine. Yeah, I think I think you're speaking to that point of of things uh, of items being accessible. That um, yeah, that that they're in line again with our our values, and that we actually to have options that that we can look at and and find. You wanted. To oh yeah, that? I was gonna say how I definitely want to watch that H and M documentary because. On TikTok, there's been like a lot of rise about fast fashion and and these um these companies. And I always promise myself, oh, I'm not gonna buy from here anymore. I'm gonna stop, but I always end up going back because I don't have a lot of money. And about in another on the accessible thing again, accessible clothes, they're not very common to find. But I think you also have to do that research to find these sites and companies to find accessible clothes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Priya. I, I want to say to the H and M is just a small part of that documentary. Um, um, it's it's called the True Cost, and uh, that that title um, I believe is intentional because it's talking about the actual cost of your clothing. So that T-shirt that costs four dollars. Well, what are all those other costs that went into it that maybe aren't don't have a dollar sign attached to them? And um, it's yeah, it's really interesting. Okay, so I know you talked about before different consignment shops and 
secondhand and kind of rental services for clothes. How, what are some other ways people can use the resources they have in a wiser way without feeling that kind of missing out feeling about thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have that new whatever thing and it's making me less than how would people go about how do you think people should go about using the clothes they have if they have because they have clothes using the clothes they have in a way that is beneficial for them without having them feel kind of left out No, I love that question. Um, and I think there are a couple different ways that that could be answered. Uh, I'm a psychotherapist, so I'm going to answer from that standpoint. And I think what you're getting at is this idea that, um, that so many of us have. And, um, and I think part of what contributes to this is the, the environments that we're immersed in and the messaging we're getting from a lot of advertising and, and just in general pressures that I'm not enough if I don't have these shoes or that purse or that jacket, um, that if I just had the right outfit, then I'd have, I'd have more friends. Um, this person would ask me out. I'd get noticed. Um, a lot of these, these ideas that I have a problem and it's going to be solved by this product. And what happens is we go out, we buy that product and that problem isn't solved because that problem is actually like more, um, kind of goes back to, and I think you might've said something along this line, the lines, Alexis, that, that like, I'm not enough, that idea, like I need something else and then I'll be enough. And then, oh, okay, now I need this other thing. And then I'll feel like I'm enough. Um, that to, to address that, I think, um, this is kind of an abstract answer to that. So I think we need to kind of, uh, look at our, our self-confidence and our self-compassion and, um, look at it. And I think it can be really helpful to pause before maybe buying something and ask, well, what, what am I, what is my intention with buying this? What do I expect this to do? What need am I, I trying to address with this in a non-judgmental way, you know, not of like, oh, I shouldn't need this, um, but in a, a way of like, oh, this is interesting. What do I think is going on for me that I feel like I need to have another outfit right now, even though I have a closet that's full of outfits. Um, and kind of tapping into that and then addressing what that is. So kind of looking at that, going that layer below um, the, the initial surface. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I think I agree. I think that a more mindful approach to, to fashion and your self-expression could really help you in the long run because you're more confident in yourself and who you are rather than just your clothes or the things you have. The more, mm-hmm. yeah, like mindful, that is, of, yeah. That is not just external validation or the perception of external validation. Yeah, that you're, um, that, okay, maybe I don't have the, okay, I honestly don't know what's in style right now. I'm thinking belt bags. My daughter said belt bags are not in style anymore. 
um, but I'm not sure. So I'm gonna go ahead and use this example. But that idea of, um, yeah, if I just had that belt bag, um, <laughs> then I'd be cool. Um, but like, okay, well, what what's underneath that? Yeah, to explore that. But also, and, and I don't mean to put all of the responsibility again on the individual who's navigating these choices, but also, you know, the messaging that we get that, oh, we'll only be happy if we live in a house with X amount of square footage or have, you know, all of, I don't know, all these, th the fancy espresso maker, or I, I don't know, or the fancy car, then, um, um, then I'll, then I'll be enough. Then I'll, then I'll be cool. But um, yeah, addressing kind of that, those messagings too, that we get um, that we're continuously kind of exposed to. Now, I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel like you're exposed to uh, pressure to, to um, kind of buy things or, you know, exist in such a way. Yeah, we actually had a, um, our previous podcast episode. It's coming out relatively soon. It was, it's actually the topic is about the impact of social media and, mm -hmm. um, and you know, young adults and, you know, youth, especially um, you know, growing up in this technological age, and it's so hard to not fall in that, you know, trap of, you know, always being on social media or always looking at people that are wearing and things like that. So your your point that you brought up about, you know, seeking validation from people um, can really tie into your, you know, your own thoughts about yourself and what you're wearing and things like that. So what kind of um, is your take on you know, youth and young adults, you know, looking at social media as a, as a um, way of validation and how they be t that can tie into self-expression and with clothing. I hope that makes sense. Uh, no, that, that does make sense. I think I know what you're, you're getting at, Elena. Um, so, uh, so social media, I think there are lots of fabulous opportunities to spread awareness about um, different issues. Um, I also think there are kind of like your, like that that missing out piece that that we might get depending on which accounts we follow. I, I'm not on TikTok, so I actually don't entirely know what TikTok looks like. It's just what I hear from others. And I, I've actually I've had quite a few clients in therapy come up and say, "I heard this excellent point about." self-care on TikTok and I want to discuss this and it's been like really wonderful as an opening for some topics but then I've also I've yet to have a client come in and say last night I was feeling bad so I was on TikTok for four hours and I felt so much better after I have never had someone say that um, um so I think it depends on how it gets used. And we're talking a little bit about consumerism. So it's, it depends on how you consume it um, and what content you're consuming. Um, I also think it gets really complex. And uh, um, yeah, I, so I guess my short answer is I think it can be used to spread awareness. I think also like you're talking, Alexis, about mindfulness with shopping. I think also mindfulness and, and what social media we're consuming. And also to periodically check in with ourselves and see like, do I feel good after watching this? Or what are my feelings? What's coming up for me? And use that as a launching point for further reflection. Yeah, we were definitely talking about all of that last episode where 
And I think social media actually ties into consumerism a lot because it's really advertised. It's like, oh, if you don't have this, then you're not, you're not, you're not the best. But it's, we definitely talked about how, um, yeah, what you said before, how we should like check how we feel or we should just set it, set it aside and then go out, talk to friends and family, just how you feel because social media can be very consuming mm. at the end of the day. But yeah, we, it always comes down to us and what choice we make about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also I, I think to keep in mind, so my husband works in the, the tech world, not in social media, but he's always saying we've got the bright, he might be, he might've taken this thing from someone else. So I, I, I wish I could give whoever this originated from credit for it, but he's always saying like, we've got the brightest minds, some of the brightest minds in our country, working on these apps, making them as addictive as they possibly can. So there's- uh, yeah, Excuse me? Oh, yes, Conrad. Hi, um, so I have a question. So what would you say is, what was the word you used for those people? Wait, which? Uh, you oh. said, uh, the word was, uh, I Wait. don't remember the word for it, but what would you say is a person in this world that you really respect what they're doing to help improve the world? Okay, so someone that that I respect and look up to in in the work that they're doing? Yeah, pretty much, yes. Okay, okay, well, so so many people. The first name that came to mind when you said that was Greta Thunberg because she is a, a youth advocate and activist and I think she's like a really great model for like regardless of what age you are um Hmm. you can have a voice and and speak up um as far as others um I think um um I brought my social worker peeps but uh that I could say but I don't know how um there are a lot of theorists that that have been doing quite of a lot of work um, Conrad, is there someone that, that you have in mind that, um, that you um, No, know? not really. I just wanted to know your personal preference. Hmm. Okay, thank you. Yeah, others, maybe we can get a list of, of, um, of people that, that we can share. Um, anyone else here have, have someone like the first person that comes to mind when you think about like environmental activism or environmental justice that uh mr beast yeah <laughs> look at him wait Kayla, so mr beast again okay i'm not on tiktok or but i think he's a youtube star right yes okay does he do environmental activism i mean now now okay. he does okay yeah. and and you I'm, you, out the, I'm out of the loop here who who is that okay 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 let me explain mr beast is this guy who just basically just gives out money and that's that's about it really that's that's his whole thing gives out money okay so he's like a basically a philanthropist is right i I guess yeah but it's like in a fun way like he has like games and stuff for his youtube he's like he like get like a like a like a giant stack of money he'll get like six people and tell them to put their hand on it, and they'd be like there for like four days. And whoever <laughs> takes their hand off last gets all the money. And that's, that's what he does, really. It's like a game show host, pretty much. 
Okay. So recently he started like um he's done like these fundraisers like to plant like 20 million trees and clean like 20 million gallons out of the ocean and stuff. And yeah. So uh, um um I'm going back. You say his name was what? Mr. Beast. Okay. So it but in his way though, when he talks about well the planting of the trees, that's amazing. I mean, what 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 and he just and I'm sure other people obviously are listening through this social media um platform. Does that spark some interest you think by him doing that that other like young people would be doing the same thing like let's go into our communities you know make it better cleaner greener you know do you does that in some way plant a seed in that form you think i i think maybe i, I think I mean, so he has like 100 million subscribers he has a lot so it has to be an influ influencing a big chunk of the people who listen to him, which I think is great because before he wasn't really using his money to, you know, help the environment. But now there was like a switch. I mean, so, kind of. He would give it to homeless people. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. So but like, now, yeah. So, so have you all been influenced by him to uh, get into environmental activism or? Like I said, um, I'm broke, so no. <laughs> yeah i would say for for mr b specifically no but for another person yes jasmine um, who's this other person is huh? oh was there when you said the uh, another person was there someone specific that i'm, I'm like getting a list now of people to look oh. at we've got like mr oh. beast's videos and yeah it was this is, this is somebody like more personal but um, back in middle school, she wasn't my teacher, but Miss Fleming, she was the sponsor for my school's green team. And I think that really kind of like inspired me to like take charge and kind of like help out my environment. That also kind of like grew my love for plants. And I now have three spider plants in my house. So yeah, yeah. But definitely not Mr. Beast, no, because he just, he spends like money on mass. And I don't think I'm going to have that much money to be doing that kind of stuff on mass. It does remind us, and, and I'm saying this as, as a former a former teacher, the importance of education of and connecting um, students with that. Um, you know, the awareness of, of uh, environmental social action, you know. Um, and, I, and I do want to bring it back to you, Dr. Jones. You were going to say something about these incredible minds um, and, and how they have the influence in the technology of, of oh. these apps. That's one thing I wanted to bring back. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is the importance of furthering, um, and I think this was something uh, where Priya might've said something about research. So if you have an idea um, as a young person and you really wanna make a change, because the first thing I started thinking about as everyone was talking about the fashion thing 
we all could probably create our own kind of thread, right? Like we can all come together and you have this, you have that, I, you know, maybe you can give me. So even coming together in that, in that form, um, but, but definitely let's go back to what you were saying about these incredible minds and then how um, we can take that in education and, and really excite young people about being these environmental uh, social activists. Okay. Okay, great. So um, what I was saying about the incredible minds who are who are developing the apps is that they they're incredible minds, but they're also making them as addictive as possible. So um, to keep that in mind that as you're consuming social media that their algorithms, I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, not as familiar with this area. Okay, good. I got a thumbs up. Um, designed to to keep us involved and invested in that app. So um, I was bringing that up because there's that that responsibility that we often take on as the individual to make our choices, but also understanding there's larger systems at play that we can make change on an individual level, and that's great, but also making change on a larger legislative um, uh, level as well. So um, in social work, we talk a lot about the different systems, how we've got the micro again, the individual and the macro, the larger piece. And I think if if we focus problems only on the individual, we're putting all that responsibility on them, but to also know that there's um, there are kind of larger things, larger areas of, of change that we can make too, that we can make those individual choices, but also we can make those choices in policy as well too. So that that I hope, I, I, I'm not as eloquent, I think, in describing those distinctions. So I hope that made sense. Um, and then the other part you said, um, I, I love that idea of like in our own communities coming together and saying like, oh, I've got a bag of clothes that I'm I'm ready, I'm done with. Um, maybe we can have a swap party. Uh, I used to live in New York and I had a neighbor who would do that. And um, uh, she'd pick a date and we'd all come and bring her different clothes and see like, oh, I like this one. Okay, well, I've got this piece. Um, and um, that's really nice too, because you're kind of engaging with, with um, your neighbors. Um, I've heard of Facebook communities that do something kind of similar um, with the, the buy nothing movement. Um, with the, like, if you've got something and you don't need it anymore, you post it on this group. So this is another way, I guess, that social media can be utilized in, um, in the, these other ways and kind of swap, you know, items with neighbors. Uh, yeah. And then I think the education piece that you mentioned, um, yeah, it's huge. I think that's part of how we initiate change in this area is going to be through education. Um, to It's hard to change something if you're not aware of what it is. And so that awareness is so important. And that's we get that in our schools or the documentaries that we have, or um, our teachers, our neighbors, our parents, our, our caretakers, our, yeah, our community centers. Um, so I think it's really great that you guys have a podcast talking about these issues, because this is one of those ways that we get information out there. Absolutely. And, and great job to, to your teacher, Jasmine. What's your teacher's name again? Oh, her name is Miss Fleming. Oh, that's wonderful. Good job, Ms. Fleming. Get a shout out to you. <laughs> All right.
Yeah, awareness is like the first step. And then just doing something as small as, you know, giving away clothes with your community could be really big, a big impact for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awareness, action, and then education, like spreading what you know. Uh, those are kind of like those three key key components. I did also want to mention there's actually a, um, <clears throat> I guess I could have also had them come on the um, episode. I actually worked with a organization. It was when I was in high school, actually, the summer before I went into my senior year. It was called um, e Eco City Farms. And mm -hmm. they, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're located in Prince George's County. And their main focus is, um, bringing youth together to learn about sustainability and, you know, growing food, you know, organically and things like that. And they actually had a summer program where students were able to go to different farms in the county and kind of see how their food is grown, you know, how can they be become sustainable and things like that. So it's really important. Oh, thank you, Elena. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you remember one of the assignments you had to do for my class um, was to go those 12 hours eating only, um, yeah, local produce, <laughs> which is particularly tricky because the pandemic had just hit and going to stores and green markets, yeah, navigating that area. But so important, like, like even when we're thinking about clothes, where does this come from? Where did this carrot come from? Um, yeah, um, connecting back to like, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it also goes back to kind of like connecting to with the gratitude of, um, of like, I'm so grateful someone planted this carrot and someone picked it and someone packaged it and now I can eat it. And um, yeah, that has an impact on our mood too. And with that mindfulness, Alexis, that you mentioned before. So kind of bringing this different direction you're kind of speaking about how people should be kind of more aware in their communities and really be more aware and think about the decision of the name being more mindful again and I was kind of wondering when you were studying abroad in Italy do you feel that the Italians were more aware of their kind of environmental impacts and more aware of where their carrots or their produce came from and their clothes. I was wondering whether you made that kind of comparison to your life in America compared to there. Uh, so my husband is actually Italian. He's from Rome. Um, so I've been there a bunch of times at this point. Um, so kind of a funny story. We were visiting one of his cousins and we were, and this is before I got into environmental justice, just to yeah, situate the story. Um, and I didn't know as much about food or um, or the benefits of like local eating or even organic eating. And we were in the car and we were driving and she was talking about where she wanted to get um, the meat that we were gonna eat that night and how she selected this one place based on her knowledge of the farming practices. And she was like, when I eat something, I wanna know, like, was this cow happy? Like, what was this creature's life that I am now consuming? And at the time I was like, 
I've never thought of that before. It's like, I'm, it felt very strange to me to think about this. Um, and then over time, like studying this field, going into this field much more, then it became, then it started to make a lot more sense to understand kind of the, the history of the things that I touch or I eat or I come in contact with and what impact I have on on the quality of life of, of the animals that, that I consume, or maybe I choose not to consume them. But, um, but yeah, so I think in Italy, there's a, at least the people that I have met in Italy, there seems to be a, a strong um, uh, awareness of, of food, where it came from, um, uh, and cooking culture. Uh, when you cook, it's a whole family. Um, at least where I, when I grew up, we didn't always get together and cook as a family. So um, his family, it was an interesting experience. There, there's a whole like being in the kitchen together, sharing stories, tasting food, teaching, you know, the the younger children in the family how to cook. Um, there's a whole cultural component to it. Um, uh, in terms of uh, waste. Um, when we go there, we often stay at someone's apartment or we'll stay in an Airbnb and go to, to throw something away in the garbage and you'll have four different bins. They're all recycling bins, but they all are for different things. You've got compostables, you've got plastics, you've got glass, you've got, um, forgetting what the other one was, but um, you divide up uh, your waste, I think kind of differently than we tend to do here, or at least in my experience here in the US. Um, so, definitely a bunch of different bins. And then your garbage bin, you barely have any garbage landfill waste because it's all been sorted. Now, that being said, recycling isn't necessarily the answer either. Um, I think it's better than, than landfill. In my opinion, I think it's better than landfill, but I, I think also just reducing the, the amount that we use and the amount that we throw out is important too. But yeah, I love studying abroad in Italy, and I highly recommend if you, if any of you have the opportunity to study abroad, um, it's it's a really fun experience. Okay, um, kind of bringing things back, really far back. You were talking about how we've were you we're making a lot of waste of things that we don't really need to throw away, of removing, not removing, but throwing away clothes we don't wear anymore or don't need anymore rather than giving them to our friend or our family and kind of exchanging that and making, giving those clothes more, another chance in some for someone else to love. Going back in history, where did this this pattern of humans using their resources more flippantly and without real thought pop up? Was it around the Industrial Revolution where things were being more mass produced and more refined? Or is it just kind of sprouting out over the last few hundred years? Well, so I, there are a bunch of different theories on kind of what, what has happened to kind of create the situation that we're in right now. And certainly the industrial revolution saw a lot of um, families and individuals moving from agricultural uh, settings into cities where 
okay, yeah, now I need food. I, I'm not growing it myself. So I have to go to the store and buy something or I'm working in a different field now. So if I need furniture, I'm not necessarily going to make it myself. I'm going to go to, I don't know, the furniture store, the carpenter or something and, and get and buy something. So definitely there was a shift in the way that, that we buy things in terms of, I think, um, like kind of that mass consumption that we see now, I think it would be a really interesting dinner table conversation. If, um, if you first thought of what, okay, what, um, I was going to say toys, you guys are way older for thinking about toys, but like, if, if you think about what does a typical teenager my age, what does their closet look like? How many, how many shirts do they own? How many coats, how many shoes, how many pants, what, what not? Like, what, what do I think a typical or even my closet looks like? Ask my parents, what, what did your closet look like when you were a teenager? And see if there's a difference. And then if you've got grandparents or, um, or that some connection to that, the generation after um, your parents' generation, what did their closet look like? How many items of clothing did they have? And kind of go back as far as you can. I think it would be a really interesting conversation to see what the trends are and how it's changed. Because I, I would imagine we probably have more in our closets now than we did before. And Elena, I see your mom nodding. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, being... Obviously, I mean the oldest person on here. I just remember looking in my in my mother's closet, and it was a small closet, and there wasn't any overflow or any boxes or any bags or anything. It was just for whatever for seven days, whatever I had to wear, uh, you know, whatever she wore for seven days, and then she would wash and start over again. So it wasn't like a lot of t-shirts, a lot of shorts or any of that. It was just like, uh, it was almost, and I know this is like going way back, granimals. I know you guys don't even know what those things are, but it used to be where it was a helper for parents to go to the store and be able to match clothes, like a t-shirt and pants for their child. And they were called granimals. Like this animal will go with that animal. It's kind of strange, but that's what it did. And then that's all you had for your child. You would just have a Monday outfit, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you just start over again. But it is different now. It's definitely different now. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing that it's different now. Maybe we need to go back. And I'm glad that Alexis brought that question of like, you know, when did this all start? Because it does help us to go back in history um, to really look at where did this all began when we had to have an overflow, like three and four mm -hmm. and five closets filled with clothes. Yeah. Makes yeah. you think. I was reading the other day that the average 10 year old in this country has something like 230 some odd toys in their room. And that on average, they only play with, I think, 12 of those a day. So when we think of want and need and yeah, and what that, yeah, and how many items are made out of plastic, which we know isn't that great for, for the environment. Yeah, what that means. And then I, I imagine, yeah, many of us like that, that probably sounds like, I, this is like 10 year olds right now. So even if we're going like five years in the past, I bet that looks very different than it does today. 
Now, what do you guys think? Is it a good thing that that we have more clothes in our closet? No. I got some clothes in my closet. I don't even I forgot what they look like. But I I now I have like I have like so I have I my I have a school as a uniform. We just gotta wear blue pants. So I have like different types of blue pants, like blue sweatpants and all that. And I have like six like different hoodies and I just wear the hoodies with whatever and they all go together, so I'm good. Yeah, I think Caitlin, that's a good point too. When we think about having like wardrobes where we're not consuming you know, a ton of different clothes, like having things that match. Um, I think that was the question one of you had earlier, like how do we consume less with clothes, but still, I'm paraphrasing, but still honor our unique individuality that we want to express through fashion. I think having like key like pieces that kind of go together that we can use in different ways can be really helpful doing that they, they definitely should bring back their animals <laughs> <laughs> for teenagers and adults they should bring it back animals at least i haven't heard of that term you never before. heard of the gr gr animals that's what they were called no no but i am looking that up the minute we sign off <laughs> because that sounds amazing i think yeah. i want a granimal for myself to come yeah. in my closet <laughs> it, it was pretty yeah. cool yeah I've been meaning to like clean out my closet for a while but I just I never get to it and I feel like my aunt another time came over and she was like you need to clean up you need to take out all these clothes because you could be giving these away you could be putting them in the thrift shop for other people and after this episode I think today I'm gonna do it because I feel motivated now oh awesome I love hearing that yeah <laughs> Um, so quick, I don't know where we are with time, but just a quick, um, this is not like evidence-based or academic or anything like that, but, um, with cleaning out your closet, I don't know if you've heard of, um, Marie Kondo. Elena, I see you nodding. Oh, okay. Alexis, you're nodding. So yeah. she has this whole approach and method to it where you take everything out and you hold it and you ask yourself, does this spark joy? And if it does, then you keep it. If it doesn't, you don't. Um, my husband had, I think like 30 t-shirts in his drawer and we were getting ready to move. I mean, he had accumulated them over many, many, many years. And, um, he's like, I don't need to get rid of any of these. I had him read a chapter of her book and like an hour later, he had a pile of like, I want to say like over half of his t-shirts. He's like ready to donate these. So, um, so yeah, it's a neat method. Um, uh, of how to sort things because I, I think sometimes it, it can be overwhelming looking at everything and trying to figure it out yeah because I'll start a piece of clothing trying to think if I should keep it or not and then I end up keeping it and then throwing away like two pieces out of mm -hmm. the whole thing mm -hmm. so I'm definitely going to use that that's the same with me and <laughs> me and my sister we have a lot of I don't know if it's because we're twins and we live in the same room. I don't know. Because you have accumulation of all these different, like what you said with your husband, that he has accumulation of these different t-shirts. We have the same thing. And like, they could be like different mementos from different points of life. Like, do we really, you know, need to keep this? That's a good, that's a good point. You know, does it really spark joy? You know, mm -hmm. and do you actually need it? Oh, what's actually the name of the book that you recommended? Um, so that's the life-changing magic of tidying up. 
Okay. So yeah, the title is a lot, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it, we found it helpful in my house. So that's good. Yeah, I'll definitely put that in our link too. It, it, uh, you sometimes wish, you know, if you've seen, you know, like Mary Poppins, you just snap your fingers, everything, you know, is not there, but that's not, that's not real life, but we can still do that in, you know, manually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've also kind of had the experience of cleaning up my closet with that same method and a few a few weeks ago. And I found that I haven't one of my main worries with cleaning up my closet was whether or not I was going to miss a lot of the clothes, like Elena said, the memories I had associated with them, because most of my clothes I've had since I was like 11 or past still doing ballet still doing all these things I still don't do but once I set them aside and got set them aside and was without them for a few weeks I found myself not feeling as overwhelmed as I used to with my closet because I didn't have that many clothes but I had enough clothes to the point where I would get kind of anxious about what to wear, whether this went with this, whether all of these sort of things. But I've kind of consolidated what I have to the things that I absolutely love, that I look at them and I just want to smile. I want to wear it. I want to put it on. And yeah, that I attest to that method. It's great. It's allowed me to really enjoy my closet and enjoy my clothes fully and yeah to enjoy my clothes and fully experience them yeah Alexis that's such a beautiful story yeah, and I think what you're talking about too which um I think we can experience in so many different things and with so many different items is that decision fatigue that when you have so much having to make another choice and another choice and another choice. And when you have those, like husband's 30 shirts, when he goes to get dressed, he has to like, which one of these 30 shirts am I going to, to choose to wear? And um, when you just have like those, maybe those 10 shirts that you really love, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's a great story. Uh, any other questions you guys have about um, environmental justice or social work in general? Oh, yeah, I had a question actually. Um, anybody can actually answer this because it's pretty like widespread answer that anybody can answer. But um, I was gonna ask, do you feel that people's, I guess like fear of being different or being perceived a certain way is related to their consumption based just in general of what they buy or what they wear or how their home looks like even. Like, um, uh, um, so you said like what they wear, like a fear of being seen or misperceived? Um, not even exactly that, it's just, mm -hmm. I feel like lots of people try to like conform to like the status quo mm -hmm. and then like 
them not fitting in that status quo could like lead to like negatives or there's so many ways that like people could just like perceive someone's outfit and then you start talking about it and then that might lead to like a whole different thing in itself so I was mostly referring to that mm-hmm. okay so being judged by by your clothing yeah or, okay 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 and so and the is I think that's a, a great topic too um um I think, and the question is like, what role does that play in, in fashion or in fast fashion? Yeah. Okay. So I, I think kind of going back to, um, that idea of like, um, when you're buying clothes, what does this mean or what's the intention behind it? And that self-confidence, uh, piece or, or the larger, like maybe, maybe we're not looking at like policy on that type of level. Maybe we're looking more on what we would call the mezzo level, the school culture and what the school's valuing, um, or what the, the kids, maybe not the school, but the kids attending the school, what, what they're placing a value on that. If you don't have, I think, um, when I was in schools, like the LA gear shoes, I don't even think they exist, but like you were cool if you had the LA gear shoes. Um, and I think that's something that we can address. I, I think, um, in, in so many different ways, I don't want to put the responsibility of, of that on the kid. I think we're looking at like values in the school values that we're teaching, like with, with student interactions, um, creating safe environments and spaces for, for people to be themselves. Cause you shouldn't be judged based on the shoes that you have or were given or, um, can't have and whatnot. So I don't think I fully answered your question, Jasmine, but I think you're bringing up a really important topic to consider. And I, I think also being aware of how we treat others based on how they're dressed too, or how, what assumptions we make um, as well. No, yeah, that was great. I know that's a pretty like loaded question by itself. But it's so important and I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, I think that's, that's really important. So you said it's not good to judge people based on how they look, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know what I'm saying? Look, my school is kind of ghetto. So it's like if I see somebody that look kind of busted and they come at, that, I'm like, I- I'm I'm a- I'm going to feel some type of way about that. I'm sorry. Like, it's. It, I mean, it kind of, it makes sense because, like, like, because, like, I don't, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, it's a feeling, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I, it's like some people, I just don't trust them because, because, like, because, like, why you dress like that, bro? Mm-hmm. But the, I don't know, that, that, that might just be me. Well, you know, I think we, we're humans. Like we, we see people and we're going to make assumptions. We make it like, this is how we survive. Um, right. I think being aware of what these assumptions are, are they rooted in reality? Are they based on maybe some biases that we have or, um, like what, what is behind that is an important thing to, to take in, in mind. If someone were to walk, if I was in a classroom and someone were to walk dressed in like the grim reaper, I would probably raise my eyebrows and have a reaction to that um so I, I think yeah it's that that awareness of like why am I reacting what does this mean um could this possibly hurt another person the judgments that I'm making um um yeah I think kind of looking into 
to what's yeah going on underneath that. But also validating, yeah, we are we are going to make assumptions um, that these are things that come up that we often do, uh, you know, not consciously even, and um, pausing and exploring that too. Okay, this is kind of a closing kind of question, but to the listeners and to our team, how would you advise when making our next purchase of either that amazing new painting or a new pillow for our home for my care? Should what? How do we identify a want versus a need? How would we go about, what are the different questions we ask? How would we go about that process? Um, well, I think what can be really helpful again is, is kind of tapping into um, what's your intention behind this object? Um, am I looking to fill uh, something that I feel deficient on my end? And that I think that if I have this Ikea pillow that my apartment or my house or my room is going to look amazing and my friends will wanna come over. Um, and, and like, well, okay, what's the need underneath that? Is it uh, that I, I wanna socialize more or um, am I feeling a little insecure? And that's okay, we all feel insecure at times. And, and what does that mean? Is there something else that I'm not getting that I need? Um, um, whether it's internally or just externally wanting to, to have more connections in our community. So taking that time to pause and um, go to that, that next level under it, like, yeah, tapping into what's behind this, what's behind my desire to, to maybe buy something that I don't need. Um, and again, to do it non-judgmentally, but from that place of curiosity. And um, as I know this is the closing, I also just really want to emphasize the role of compassion in all of this, um, that to kind of have these dialogues with ourselves it, it, as compassionately as we can and practice self-compassion. I think that when we are able to be compassionate with ourselves, then we're able to be compassionate towards others. And, um, and I think we're also then able to tap in compa into compassion for the planet. So I think kind of starting with those dialogues that we have with ourselves um, from a place of kindness and, um, and openness and kind of that curiosity that I think got mentioned um, by someone earlier. So I hope that answered your question. It really did. Yeah, it hit all the marks. Thank you. I've loved these questions. Um, and I am so excited that, again, that this is a topic you guys are exploring. Because when we think about how we're going to initiate change, um, having podcasts talking about these things, making these things public, having these discussions um, is, is one of the, the big factors we we, we try to promote and, and getting the information out there so that others can make changes as well. Absolutely. I want to thank Alexis because it, it took me a little bit of, I, I had to research, you know, I had to, I had to do some thinking. Um, and the way that this conversation flow really made sense, it helped me to understand uh, the connection between consumerism and environmental uh, respect and and thoughtfulness and and justice. So I, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much, Dr. Jones. Thank you, Alexis. This this was really yeah, great. Alexis. Thank you. <laughs>
going to this topic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I I love hearing yeah your guys' responses and questions, and it, it's I'm leaving this feeling much more hopeful about the future and and very motivated too. So yeah. So thank you all. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Jones, for for coming on, and you know definitely. I'm glad you're able to to do this and uh, to spread spread some knowledge to to the students here. Thank yes, you, and, my and pleasure. Yes, Kaylin, you you were right on it. Thank you, as always, <laughs> Priya. Thank you so much, <laughs> Jasmine. Thank you, amazing. Thank you, Elena, for for pulling this all together for us too. You're doing an amazing uh, amazing work, and we thank you for yeah. it. Uh, uh, Alexis, any lasting words before we before it ends? I'd like to thank you guys for listening and joining us in this conversation today. And I hope that everyone walked away knowing that they can make a difference in the world. They can make their small actions have a big impact in the whole state of the world today. It can, it can really make a difference, yeah. Hello everyone, my name is Jasmine Tucker, a 10th grader at Bowie High School and a podcast team member. I hope you enjoyed this fourth episode of season three of the Dream Big podcast. Thank you to Alexis Buxo for hosting this episode and to team members Priye, Kaylin, and Conrad for your wonderful thoughts, ideas, and conversation. I also want to make sure to shout out Zion Covington, one of our podcast team members, and Christopher Wallace, one of our team leads who cannot be with us. Thank you to Elena for securing Dr. Jones as our guest, and thank you to Dr. Jones for your insight on this important topic. To find out more information about Leap to College, please visit our website, www.leeptocollegefoundation.org, for more information regarding our programs and services. Also, please follow us on the following social media platforms. On Instagram, we are L-E-E-P to College Foundation, Inc., on Facebook, we are L-E-E-P to College Foundation, and our YouTube channel, L2C Dream Big. Episodes will be on YouTube soon, so please subscribe to be notified when a video drops. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to leave a review for us. You can also leave a rating for us on Spotify. Ratings can help us improve our content and allow more people to find our podcast. To discover more information about environmental issues, consumerism, and fast fashion, please make sure to click on the links in our description for books, documentaries, and informative websites. Thank you for listening. Uh, uh.